mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Happy, uh, Happy Festivus to all who celebrate, and um, this will be our last show of the year, probably, as today is the 28th of December. Boys, how we feeling? Did we have fun? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I'll see you guys next year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you guys get for Christmas? <clears throat> Cole. Cigarettes. Damn. Smoke up, Johnny. I just got a hooker to spin my mouth. Fuck. Oh, God. That's all of us life. bought things that all of us received gifts that are important to us. And they're our, just called hand jobs, Tom. Stop. Yeah. They're people. Other <laughs> other folks are concerned about those. The most important <laughs> thing I got for Christmas was head cold. Yeah. Love that for you. Well, don't worry. Um, I got your Christmas present. It's Zycom, buddy. Zycam, buddy. <laughs> That shit rocks. Something stronger than that. It really does work. Which yeah. one is your favorite? You like the dissolvable? You like the chewable? The, the, the pill? The gel? Do you like the, uh, the the ones that you stick in your nose? Which ones I do just, you like? I just so snort it. I like the dissolvable ones because I'll, I'll have one every morning in the wintertime. But somebody gave me the one that you stick up your nose. And I am waiting for a time where I know there's like a bad illness that's coming on. And I have that thing, like, just sitting in my backpack, like, soon, little buddy. <laughs> soon. It's like the break glass in case of emergency. That's what yeah, this, this is. Yeah, is, this is for a potential flu-like thing that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we hope we don't get all of you sick. So if you like the show and you're relatively healthy by the end of it, do us a favor and send it to your loser friends. Um, but also like and subscribe to our social media accounts um, as well as like and subscribe on all the major streaming platforms. Got a couple of things we wanted to talk about today, and this will be a, a little bit of a quickie because uh, we got some things to do tonight. Um, wanted to get started with some of the news that's coming out of Denver right now. And Q, I know that you wanted to talk about this, but Russell Wilson has been officially benched for the final two games of the NFL season. and. From what it sounds like, this is not a performance issue. This is, hey, the Broncos are fucking cheap and they don't want to pay Russell Wilson $37 million if he gets hurt in the last two games. Fill us in on what's going on there. Honestly, this is probably um, one of the most absurd things I've ever, I've ever seen because – like, I don't know if you've been reading up on this, but, like, apparently, like, they were threatening him 
after um like after two months Halloween. ago yeah like pretty mm-hmm. much that like if you don't take away the causes in your contract we're going to bench you and like I'm, I'm I, apparently the players association stepped in and um basically tried to like you know they tried to work out some kind of deal I, I don't know what the Broncos think they, they think they have leverage. And it's just like just more about like ownership, like hating, like, like how many times do we see like a player complain about a contract and then everybody comes out and goes, you sign the contract, deal with it. Well, I'm saying that to fucking George Patton and Broncos ownership, because it's like you signed him to that deal. By the way, his contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet. Yeah. The extension kicks in starting next year Mm -hmm. so now like it literally like the amount of money that they're gonna have to eat in this scenario and my main point about this is that russell wilson is not playing poorly Mm -mm. i don't know why they're doing this he's currently at three thousand yards which is middle of the pack 18th in the league 26 touchdowns which is sick tied for sixth in the league he's only got eight interceptions his qbr is not great but like all of his numbers look resembling close to what he was pre Denver, you know, pre like his in, last few years in Seattle. In comparison, I believe he's not too far off. I mean, he's a couple hundred passing yards different from Mahomes to put things in perspective. Who's yeah, he's having a terrible year. He's having a terrible year. So I don't know. But like, I mean, <laughs> everybody again, this year, right? Like, if he was to finish out the season, like he, he, the, the pace that he's on right now. He's going to finish with 30 touchdowns. He's going to finish with less than 10 picks. And I mean, like, what fucking, what more does a person have to do? And also, like, you know, three rushing touchdowns to, to boot with that. Like, his turnovers have not been that high. Like, there's Sean Payton coming out and saying that, like, oh, I can't replace the five offensive linemen. I can't replace the three wide receivers and everything like that. It's cheaper. To, this is the most bizarre thing I've probably speaks more to Sean Payton not liking Russell Wilson, which I understand. Very unlikable. Um, but it seems more that this is a personality thing rather than a, like an actual on the field thing. Yeah. It feels very strange how this whole situation has um, materialized. And I think like, you're right. The only thing, his numbers are better than they were last year. And the only thing that is not going to be where it's supposed to be is the yardage number. Yeah. Cause last year he ended with 3,500 yards. If he played the last two games, he probably would have tied that number. But I mean, I was watching it. I was watching um, ESPN when I was at the gym this morning and they were showing like all of these interceptions and all of these fumbles from Russell Wilson. I'm looking at his numbers now. He's only lost one fumble this year. And so stupid. I mean, he's thrown eight interceptions. Like he, he is not the problem with this team. And I, I, it's really interesting to see ever since like, ever since the ownership changed happened where the Walton family bought the team, they have been absolute ass as an entire organization. Like Pat Bowen for all of the warts that that dude has, the 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 Denver Broncos were probably one of the more consistent and competent teams from like 1998 to about 2006 or 2007. And to see this like massive drop off from them 
where like, what are you going to do better than him? Like you're seven and eight right now. You're not going to get a top quarterback. What is the point of any of this? That's, that's the thing I don't understand is what it, what is the move at this point? Because when I saw how Russell was playing this year, I'm like, Oh, like it seems like they actually could probably try and like add more pieces because he's not playing poorly. I mean, and they don't, and by the way, they don't own, I don't, I don't they don't own their first round pick this year. Am I correct? I think this is, I think they traded their 22 and 23 picks. I think 24, they'll have a full slate now. All right. So that means Seattle probably still owns their pick. Um, somebody owns their pick. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think Denver has it. So it's like, also like, what are you going to do? And, and, and with the amount of money, because like I'm looking at next year, the dead cap that they're going to take is $85 million. So you're talking about, and the, the, the dead cap and like, I mean, the, the cap hit is 35 million. It's he's actually pretty manageable as far as cap hit is concerned. I mean, really you can't get out of this contract until 2026 and you'd still be taking a $31 million dead cap hit. There, so, there was something about if, um, if they do it in June, uh, they eat first. the yeah post June first. They they eat some of that dead cap money and they can kind of get around it. But so they're losing a ton of money next year. Basically, it's, it's yeah. Basically, next year they just burn the house down so they can get out of the contract. <laughs> I mean that it, but, but like, how does that work though with having Sean Payton, right? Because like, why would you go get? Why would you go spend? that much money and give up a first they, they give a I, pick for sean payton too i mean correct me if oh maybe that's where they lost their uh that's where they had lost. I, no they're yeah. slated they're slated to draft 14th in april okay so they do have that pick then okay. yeah um all right oh i lost what i was gonna say i think it, i think it was second round picks then that they probably mm-hmm. are still yeah they're yeah the yeah the saints have their second round pick um this year, which would be pick number 45 is now uh, correct me if I'm wrong though. Didn't they bring, did they not bring um, Sean Payton in to manage the situation with Russell Westbrook? Oh, Westbrook. <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> hey, I got to do also, it. Once a, guy, one, once a game. That nobody wants. Yeah. Another guy. Um, yeah. But wasn't the idea what like, Hey, we're going to bring in Sean Payton here. He's going to take this, mess that we believe we could still win with and make it winnable and they've just completely like does sean payton just have like some sort of like wizard eyes when it comes to you know team ownership and he can just convince them into anything because he's sean payton is that what it is like i mean when he left that team gato when he left the saints they were in significant cap hell and they also had no draft picks and he was like you know what i'm I don't want to be a coach anymore because he saw what the team was going to look like for the next two years. And he was like, I'm, I'm all set on this. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they've kind of done the exact same thing. Like, I don't know why they, they started slow this season and they were bad last year. And I don't know why they didn't sell off more pieces last year to try and get some draft capital and try I mean, to they start traded that. Bradley Chubb, who's a double digit sack is going to be a double digit sack guy this year. Which He's a monster. Like, yeah. They luck. traded him. They probably could have traded judge Judy as well. And Cortland Sutton. And 
Um, a bunch of those guys, they probably could have bet, put themselves. They probably could have traded Javante Williams for something. But they they waited too long to bail on the season, though. Right. They started winning games, and then they kind of box themselves into a corner where, you know, they're a game under five hundred right now. And if they win out the last two, they'll be nine and eight, which is like in the middle of fucking nowhere when it comes to the NFL draft. Tell me about it. I think, especially like I think there's a pl- this plagues all NBA teams, but. Like, I think the Broncos thinking they had all the pieces, especially them, they, you know, every team thinks they could come in and be one of the worst last year and become one of the best. They, they truly, well, believe I mean, look at the parody and look at the Lions, you know, they've basically done that over the last two years. So, yeah. Um, the Jags I, are a great example of that too. They were nobodies two years ago, they won their division last year and, I mean, it's it's not uncommon for the worst to first, and it's also pretty common too, where you have the first to worst as well, and then there's everybody else that like you consistently suck year over year. But the problem being is that not everybody's situation is alike, right? <laughs> and the Broncos were not in that type of situation because of all the capital they had given up to even be where they were and failing as they were. They thought two years ago they would have been rivaling the Chiefs in divisional matchups and it just never turned to that and never got there. Yeah. They just I don't know. Like I, I agree with you, Q. Like this whole situation is just very strange. The way that Sean Payton has spoken about Russell Wilson is really, really weird. Like, dude, you took the job knowing that he was gonna be there. Yeah. There were other jobs that were open. But is that like where you, you know, like you sit down for the job interview and you meet the people and you're like, oh, they they seem pretty cool. And then you get the job and then you get there day one. You realize like they're giant toxic messes and everyone's a fucking monster and you're like already looking for another job. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I honestly think that Sean Payton took that job for the money. It, it reminded me of Phil Jackson taking yeah. the next job, um, the next president job that he saw, he saw not, he was obviously not really coaching with, you know, after, after pretty much once, once the saints walked, like once he walked away from the saints, um, he knew he was stuck there and he saw an opportunity to get out and he saw deep pockets with the Waltons and he just decided to just take it. So I, that, that's my estimation anyway. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's a fair estimation. And I mean, his contract will be guaranteed if they fire him at the end of next year, which is nutty. That's I I feel like that's the new trend with coaches, man. Just like tank, get fired and make money for a whole year doing nothing. There's been a whole conversation about like, does the last two years hinder Russell Wilson's like potential Hall of Fame bid? And I, for me, I don't think it does. I think, I don't think it changes anything. When push comes to shove, like he'll be a Hall of Famer. Like he's won an MVP. He's an MVP. I don't think he's won an MVP. He's been in nine Pro Bowls. He's got he's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one of them. But flipping it on its head, does the last does the last couple of years of Sean Payton's head coaching bring into question whether he's a Hall of Fame coach or not? Um, I would say probably, 
I, I honestly don't – I'm not the biggest Sean Payton guy. I've never been the biggest Sean Payton guy. He's he's clearly innovative as as a head coach. And, like, uh, like you know, go back to the years of Jim Fossil, Giants, you know, when he was there as the offense coordinator. He was very talented, very smart guy. But, like, the league is cyclical. And a lot of times these guys get figured out. And I think he kind of got figured out towards the last mm-hmm. few years of his uh, the, being at the Saints. So, like, I never was the biggest fan of his. Um it just it just reminds me a lot of times a lot of these guys end up getting figured out. So I I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He he had dr- primetime Drew Brees for how many fucking years and like that those teams would go 14 and 2, 13 and 3 every fucking year and they would shit the bed in the playoffs. Yeah. So Poor I, man's Belichick. I mean, well, Belichick at least won championships. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. He's the poor man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking broke, broke bitch. Fucking Belichick, maybe. Belichick on a budget. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Can we go get Dad? Can we go get Belichick? We got Belichick at home, and Peyton is the Belichick at home. Yeah. yeah. Fucking barbecue it's- sauce all over it, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put a lot of salt and butter on it to make it even taste good. So. Um, no, I, I don't view him as a Hall of Famer. I, I don't think he's done anything to warrant that. Winning one Super Bowl with primetime Drew Brees, like, feel like any fucking coach should have been able to do that. So, uh, Mark Cooper out tonight. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm still starting Joe Flacco, man. I believe in miracles. I mean, I believe in David Njoku, so. I want to I wanna segue for also a minute. Also a starter on my team, too. Mm. I, I want to segue in for a minute. Position. If, if possible, can we segue for just a sec? Sure. Um, Tom, I think you should go to jail. Why? Honestly. That was just rude what you did to me last week. Oh, that's right. I played you in our fantasy league semifinal game. That was fucking rude, man. How many points did I put on you? 193 in a fucking standard league. Yeah, baby. It's a very standard league, too. But like no, I mean it's just like it's not too it's not too (laughs) like that's two quarterback numbers, like like oh super flex leagues you put up 193 points and it's like call it a day. Well, I I should say that the reason why that number was so high was for two reasons: Brees Hall and George Pickens. Like I had a feeling that George Pickens (laughs) was. I think Q has just left. Um, I knew that George he he was cursing. Yeah, he's fucking throwing. Rowan's stuff in his apartment. I was projected to win by thir- by 13 points, too, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Brees Hall just destroying my my fandom, beating the hell out of the commando. That must have been bittersweet. I mean, I, I just kept seeing, like, the alerts come up on my phone, and I'm like, I know they're playing the commandos. I'm sure the score is bad right now, but at least I can get something out of this. Um, but George Pickens, like getting called out in that last game against the Colts and then figuring his shit out and actually having a good game. I don't think he's going to do it again. So back to the bench you go. You're benching him this week? Um, as of right now, he is sitting on my bench, but that could change. Um, I knew I, I knew I was fucked pretty, pretty early on because um, you're going to start Jackson Smith and Jigba over George Pickens. I've had... George Pickens in my lineup maybe six times. He's going against and, Seattle. Yeah. 25th 
against the pass. He also went against a bunch of teams this whole year and did right. dick. So hey, you know what? You know what? Go with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know what? You, you do that. You know what? He's in the pl- place that he can actually make that you know choice. What? Have fun. I, you know what? Yeah, you, you do that. You do that. Well, it doesn't um, matter because he's playing against the maverick of our league who just figures yeah, out everything every year yeah, and just fucked. destroys. He just he's like an imperial force. I can't I mean, wait for Jackson. I'm pretty sure I beat bro. him in this league already. No, 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 no. During the regular season, I don't even know how he gets into the no, playoffs. Regular season doesn't during matter. During the regular season, I beat him twice. But this, he he decided to play the Raiders defense, and they had the most magnificent week Brilliant. ever. Yeah, it's it's a masterclass, or it's the Raiders defense has been reckless top five luck. The last few weeks. They have been better. They yeah, have been. they have been awesome they ever have. since Antonio Pierce took over. But I want to I want to point out, I knew I was fucked. I was watching the th- I was watching that game on Thursday with the was the, the fucking Steelers and the whoever the fucks who gives a shit Bengals, and I was knew I was like I was in the fi- by the way I'm in the semifinals in four I am in four leagues I'm in the fucking semifinals in all four of them, and I'm like I have a ch- yeah don't congratulations <laughs> fucking me yet, so I'm sitting there and now in, in, in my one of my most expensive leagues I started the Cincinnati defense because I'm like the fucking Steelers suck ass. And I see that Pickens fucking touchdown, and I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. I already knew I was fucked there. And then I look, and this fucking asshole starts fucking George Pickens in his flex spot. And I'm like, and thank God, in the other one, but I still lost, um, the guy had George Pickens on his fucking bench, thank God. Otherwise, I would have been absolutely screwed. Yeah, so I lost three of them, and I'm in the finals in one league at this point. So I'm very, very happy. But, like, that was just offensive, Tom. Like that was just fucking offensive. Like you get 43 from fucking Brees Hall. You get finally Bijan Robinson can score touchdowns. And Joku, who scores a touchdown every goddamn week. Joe Flacco outscores Lamar Jackson. Like so many I mean, years on Njoku thinking he was gonna go off and he never did. And this is the year. Do you know so why wild. he went off? Because Deshaun Watson is no longer the guy running the show over there. That's probably true. I think I even drafted him this year, and I dropped him after I realized he wasn't going to do shit for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I picked up, I picked up Njoku because Dallas Goddard is too inconsistent, and I couldn't rely on him. Mm-hmm. And oh, you mean the I Eagles think, are too inconsistent? Yes, them too. Yes. Um, but I mean, I mean, just going into fantasy football a little bit, like Brees Hall was the one that was a big question mark. Him and Zay Flowers were ones that were like. We'll see where it goes. I'm going to draft these two guys. And, I mean, Reese Hall has been a beast. You threw up a Hail Mary in fantasy and fucking came down with it. Pass interference and all. Yeah, considering my, you know, my quarterback is done for the year. Russell Wilson has been benched. I have nobody else to turn to but Joe. <laughs> But I mean, honestly, if you're gonna throw Hail Marys out there, Flacco's been unbelievable. So it's like it is really the worst case scenario, honestly. Like no, you, it's you not. Could, it's not like you're starting fucking like Jared Stidham or something. You know? Does yeah. does this finally make the argument that Flacco's elite? Or are we <laughs> literally like an hour and a half away from proving that is false? Who they got I don't think Jets. He, I don't. They got the Jets tonight. It's a tough matchup. Number three in in passing defense, right? Yeah. It's it's a tough matchup. So it will be a good sign. 
I, but I, I think I don't think this is a conversation about Joe Flacco. I think this is a conversation about Deshaun Watson because, yeah. like, <laughs> how how do you have this team? By the way, like, I imagine he's been the worst starting quarterback for the Browns this year. DTR was better. Uh, um, I don't know well, about that. Questionable because 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 DTR won them a game, but then after that, it was just it was a fucking. He, yeah, all right, fine, he, fair he got nothing done. At least Deshaun Watson, when he was healthy, slam dunk. he got a few games for them. I don't think it's a slam dunk that he was better than DTR. I think it's like he probably is better than DTR, but like he wasn't much better than him. But like Joe Flacco looks like, like I mean, like they could end. Like I was looking at the Browns and I'm like, they're not going. They're not going to even make the playoffs at this point. And now I'm like, could they win a Super Bowl with that defense and? I don't know. I mean, I'm not. Uh, listen, I mean, his numbers are okay. You know, he's not like lighting up. ten touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's sub sixty completion percentage. But I don't know. It just seems like the the Browns are just a good. Like they seem like he seems like he's got a well supported cast. So it just it feels like it's mitigating some of those errors. I mean, For a guy it, who wasn't on this team to start the year, he has built some strong relationships with the guys that are currently there. Because so. professional. Yeah, he question, handled though, his business. Will there be a Dobbs effect though? Because I Josh the Dobbler Dobbs, effect. <laughs> it's it's jo- it's it's Flacco versus Dobbs. Um, is this going to be another Dobbs situation? Because everyone was all over Josh Dobbs when he walked into Minnesota and had nobody and won that game, and then like he had a couple good weeks and then kind of faded back to where we kind of thought he was going to be. So, I have an unconventional take. And it's I think that this is just a very common this is a very common occurrence now. Like this is happening across the entire league. You've seen it with Tommy DeVito. You know, he he was flying next to the sun for a while. You mm-hmm. see it with with Dobbs. You're seeing it with uh, who, Cooper, who, Rush. Cooper Rush, uh, Cooper Rush, who came in. Who's Drew Locks come in and he's, you know, flying high. Jake Browning too. Jake Browning, all these guys. And I think. I think it's either two things. One, it's that, you know, teams have to spend some time analyze the the new guy coming back in or it's that teams have made a giant error in their bets on big money quarterbacks that do it all because they don't they they they're injury prone. They're guaranteed to injury and it's not a worthy investment and the future of the NFL might actually lie in having multiple guys that you might start at different times throughout the year because of that effect. I just think we're, we're at this point where we're going to see that. I don't know which way it's going to go, I, I but it's, it, they just, they haven't figured them out. That's it. I think the, I think the difference between Flacco and all of those other names is that Flacco was a starter for eight years with one of those teams. And he's, you know, he had one of the largest contracts at the time when he was with the Ravens. And like, this is just a, a pro being a pro. Like this is somebody who knows what to do when it comes to film and how to like manage your emotions versus the guys like Drew Locke, who was a starter for like a year and a half in Denver. And then he got benched and traded. Tommy DeVito, rookie, DTR, rookie, uh, Jake Browning has been on like two or three different teams, an undrafted free agent. Cooper Rush had his moment in the sun and he's never been heard from again. Like Mike White is another one too. Like a lot of these guys 
I, I would imagine it's because there's just not enough film on these guys to start the year and teams don't know their tendencies just yet. Um, and also there's a level of like, you know, let's see what happens. Like one could make the argument that like DeVito was not a good quarterback. He was just in a right place, right time situation where he did just enough for them not to lose games and other pieces of that team did it. And that's, we often associate like wins with quarterbacks unjustly when in reality it's other players on that team having to step up and do a lot of the work. And we're having that conversation now with Brock Purdy as well. It's like, that's a good point. Is he an MVP or is the fact that you have three guys or four guys on your offense that have insane yards after the catch and Christian McCaffrey being there? Is it him or is it those guys? Because you can make the argument that Jimmy Garoppolo was doing the exact same shit three years yeah. ago. Yeah. I mean, Brock Purdy's the Mac of the Yak. It's just he gets all of it. He won that lottery. But I mean, like you make you a know, good point, Tom. You do make a very, very good point. Cam Cam Newton made a you know a good point about this, about like he called Brock Purdy a fucking uh system guy you know like a, like a like a game manager and he was kind of like saying like he also mentioned i think dak and somebody else um so like i, I don't think a handful of guys that he but he, he was also like saying like i don't think it was like he's like also don't think that like he's like i wasn't like saying it as a bad thing he was like i'm i'm saying he's like it's just there are some guys like josh allen and Anthony Richardson, and you know they're like special athletes that can take over a game. Pat Mahomes, like they, these are guys that take over games. And he's like, I, he's like, there's nothing wrong with being a system. You can win Super Bowls with system quarterbacks, yeah, like, um, or game managers. Like you know, in a lot of ways, Peyton Manning was a game manager. He was the ultimate game manager. So he's like, I don't think it was controversial what I was saying. And he's like, people kind of really took it, you know, a certain way. Because um, they're betting on fucking Purdy to win MVP. <laughs> That's if, I, if I'm that guy who uh, I don't know if you guys I, I showed you that the other day. If, if I'm that guy who bought that ticket, I'm fucking sick to my stomach. It was really stupid though. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He um, sold it right, and oh, the guy who sold guy it was a genius. Yeah, he saw that Ravens game coming up. It, it was a two thousand dollar ticket for Brock Purdy to win MVP. It would have paid out two hundred grand. And the guy who sold it for 125k to some other fucking fish who didn't realize that the Baltimore Ravens were coming up, and Brock Purdy gets injured. I don't know how serious it is, but he gets injured, but has the fucking worst game of his of his season, and essentially sinks himself on MVP because at this point it feels like it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Like Brock Purdy was the favorite because of how well he was playing, but like at this point, like I can't see it being him. Um, so he, he really fucking screwed himself, man. Um, it's, it's pretty funny to see. And I, I didn't understand buying that ticket because like at most, what are you getting after taxes? A net gain of like what? 20 K maybe yeah. to spend that much money. Like, I mean, I'm sure the guy has deep pockets, but like, you know, stupid. Maybe not deep enough. Ooh, wouldn't want to be him. Um, I, I, I mean, but this also brings up another thing where right now 
we're looking at a season where two of the top contenders for the MVP are not quarterbacks. And is it is it bound to be a quarterback? Is it bound to be? And and I understand it should Lamar. be Lamar, another player. It should be another player, but it could be, and it should be any other player, right? I mean, it has been in the past. It's not that this is a new thing completely. Like it's never happened before. But what was the thing that caused or changed the conversation where it had to be a quarterback? Was it just all those years of quarterback dominance in the league, or what appeared to be? Based it on just, stats, the, it just the, became a it just became a quarterback prize. Like it just because I think we, because we we value the quarterback so high, it just seems like that's what it is. Um, this year we've last. been fooled by the quarterback so much. I mean, well, I mean, th- let's be real though. I mean, it 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 is it is one of those things though that like the the quarterback <laughs> is the most important position. So it's like, I mean, I do get it. Um, but like, so yeah, out of, since the 1990, only nine people have won that have, uh, out of the, yeah. So out of the 23 MVP awards, only nine, nine of them have been non quarterbacks. Do you any, without looking it up, does anybody remember the last non quarterback MVP? Adrian Peterson. Did you look it up? No, I did not. Good job. Oh, nice. What what, what year? (laughs) Oh, that uh, 2004? No. No, it's like 2008, wasn't it? No. I, I don't think he was drafted. By the way, I don't think Adrian Peterson was drafted until like 2006 or 2000. He was a 2000. <laughs> I think he was a 2007 guy. Yeah. It was that whole yeah. like. No. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. So Gato was right. It was Adrian Peterson in 2012. Uh, the year after he tore his ACL and he came back, he had 2000 yards, 2090, roughly 2,100 yards, 12 touchdowns receiving. He had 217 yards and one touchdown. So he led the league in rushing and scrimmage yards. So that was the last time a non. So, but like at this point, right. If Cooper cup didn't win it last year, then no non quarterbacks going to win the award. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish that we would be able to see into the future and crystal ball it because, like, I feel like C-Mac still has, like, an opportunity here, you know, yeah. at some point. It just – no. I don't think his so. Numbers aren't, his numbers aren't aren't there for it. His numbers are great. I mean, but, like, I mean, no, he's, he's at, like – he's at, I think – I'd imagine right now he's probably close to 2,000 scrimmage yards, 2,000 scrimmage yards if he hasn't gotten there. And he's definitely over 20 t- total touchdowns for sure. Um, but I don't think, I don't think at Matt, I think the rushing, I think the yardage is the thing that matters the most. Like, like if you're a receiver, your receiving yardage is going to matter. Yeah. McCaffrey's at 1,400 rushing yards, which is not 2,000 rushing yards. Like, I feel like if he was at 2,000 rushing yards, that would be different. Um, Tyree kill, in my opinion, should be the MVP. I have Um, a different one that might, uh, shock you a little bit. Please. Deron Bland. How many pick sixes does he have? Five. (laughs) Yeah. But how many times has he gotten burnt in other ways? He's yeah. Have those big makeup plays for it. And he's definitely changed the, the game for the Cowboys a few times, but I mean, the analytics supported, he is like, PFS number one corner. Um, he does have eight interceptions. He does have like six 
uh, pick six. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I get it, but I'm not giving him – I'll give him defensive player of the year. Consider, you know, I'll consider that, but like, I mean, which I'm going to go Miles Garrett anyway, but like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think at this point, Tyreek Hill like really changes the landscape of that team. Yeah. And I mean, how many fucking games have we seen where he just houses a fucking touchdown and it's easy. It feels like every single week. And mind you, he also missed a game, and he's already at 1,600 receiving yards. He's already got 12 uh, receiving touchdowns. He's tied for third in receptions, first in yardage, second in touchdowns, and he's got two more games. So, like, I mean, look, he's not getting to 2,000 receiving yards. It's just not going to happen. But I mean, no, maybe. he'd have to get he'd he'd have to get um. He'd have to have two 300, 360, yards. yeah, roughly 359 receiving yards in two games. Not impossible, but it just doesn't seem likely. I think it's impressive for a guy like him. I mean, everyone knew how much of like a speedster he was, but he's not like a super low reception, high, um, high yardage guy. He's tied for third in the league with catches. Like, I think he has certainly grown and developed to be like a very competent wide receiver. And a lot of these guys that have that kind of speed are really just that. Like, they're, hey, go run this nine route over and over and over and over again. The way that they're able to use him is so impressive. And he's just, he makes teams look really fucking bad and everybody else in that team just flourishes because of him. I mean, this, this goes to, and I think Mike McDaniel is a coach of the year candidate and it just goes to show that him and it's what Frank Smith is their OC. Um, it's just that they're very creative and very clever on how they they've schemed to use one of their most talented pieces. And I feel like a lot of other teams, and I think I've said this before on, on the pod, um, just don't do that with their main, their big pieces. They have these talented guys that just become decoys and they don't really produce. They just become this idea to, you know, pull the defense in one direction to create space here for, you know, some other scrub to take, you know, to get the pass. And, the difference and probably one of the reasons why the Dolphins are so successful this year is because they figure out ways to incorporate Tyreek Hill and make him that centerpiece of their receiving game. And it shows and it's amazing and it's fun to watch. And they're just doing it better than anybody else. I think offensively in, the, in those terms in the passing game, at least it's a video game offense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert is a nice player, right? But he's a 31 year old running back that, you know, has not ever really had a career like like has never been like a, a, a guy who's going to like a pro bowler. He's got 21 total touchdowns this year, which is just absurd. Mm-hmm. So it's it's obviously the offense is great. There's no concerns or buts about that. Um, but I, I honestly don't like and like I honestly think that Jalen Waddle gets really like kind of hidden in this offense. And like I if he would obviously be a number one receiver um, anywhere else. But like, 
you know, he's he's really just a, a number two. He's over a thousand yards too. He doesn't have any as many we, touchdowns. We so. also might be underplaying Q how good Jalen Waddle is because he's been in the league for three years, and all three years have been over a thousand yards with this is the lowest receiving touchdown year of him with four. Like there might be something you're right. Like Tyreek Hill definitely takes a lot of the, he sucks a lot of the oxygen out of the room there, but Jalen Waddle is potentially a, a superstar in the making. I mean, he, he, he has all the skill. He has the skill set. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, but we'll see. Uh, at this point, though, I mean, I, this off. I, I want to see how they do in the playoffs, though, because like everyone runs wide open, fucking regular season. But you know, playoffs typically get ratcheted up. I want to see if this Shanahan like runs run run game actually like translates uh, this year into the in, you know because like they're gonna have to go against somebody big in this, you know they might get a first round by, but like second round they're you know if they get the Ravens. I'd be really interested to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I, I think we're we're gearing up for a very, very interesting uh, postseason here. I think the matchups are going to be pretty good. We're going to see some solid football coming into this stretch here at the end yeah. here too. I mean, this week the games are also insane, right? <sighs> yeah, I, I. I, I'm 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 at this point I'm ready for the playoffs. Um, I I think at this point like I kind of know where these teams are at this point. So like I really want to see I really want to see uh, some playoff some playoffs at this point. I I kind of want to get to the playoffs too. I'm a little fatigued from this past week. I, I, it felt like too many games. Like uh, it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I was just I watched football the entire time you know and like it's exhausting after a while <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to do nothing <laughs> uh, i've never been more tired from doing nothing yeah pulling on my heartstrings watching these fucking yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm tired of seeing that i'm, I'm i i want to talk about uh the the fucking guinea Quarterback for passing Paisano, passing Paisano, TM. <sighs> so I've never TM. been so fucking happy in my life. Like, I feel bad for the kid, he had a rough week and everything like that. But I'm so fucking glad it's over, man. I'm so glad this shit is over. I mean, if I had to see the fucking mm, one more fucking time, it's gonna fucking lose my fucking mind, dude. I swear to god, I enjoyed um, it. I gotta be honest, <sighs> so it was it was a reprieve it. from a very a very terrible season, you know. There was at least like a glimmer of hope it gave us for a short second there, and you know, we. I think it sparked enough in the Giants where we're not looking at like totally losing bad for the last like two weeks. We're now like looking at like where are our positives, where are our strengths, what can we do in the, for the future, what exists there. Whereas everyone had quit mid year. I think Tom, Tom, and I talked about this two weeks ago. And um, it was a very much that, you know, like the Giants had just given up on themselves, I think, like by week, you know, six. And uh, this kind of brought, gave them a little energy, you know, <clears throat> down the stretch. It, it revamped I, the fan base. It 
took a little pressure off, you know, it, it got rid of some of the steam. So I think my issue with it and why I, I was so angry about it is that it it just felt like an excuse for this fan base to start rooting against our better interests. And we do it every single time um, that it's like you, you are now looking at a situation in which we actually have a chance to just bottom out. And by the way, if we didn't win two out of the three games that we won during the passing Paisano's fucking uh, streak, we'd have the number one pick right now. And I know some people are like, oh, you don't know. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? Like at the end of the day, maybe we get Kay Williams and maybe he's a fucking bust, right? It's There's obviously a chance that happens. But I think my point being, though, is that like, I, I want that to finally fucking happen for us. And it feels like there a lot of these, a lot of the fan base is willing to just do everything fucking possible to tank that opportunity. And it's just like, why are we so against like finally maybe having a chance at like, you know, like getting, getting actually like a decent player. You know, like getting a, a top tier quarterback, like, do we want Brian Dable to have the opportunity to, you know, like literally do the thing that he wants to do, you know, like give him a top guy. If he can make Tommy DeVito look like a decent quarterback for at least a couple minutes, then fucking give the guy an opportunity here. You know, uh, I think a lot of people also look at it like, hey, Joe Shones comes in and, you know, he's someone we think's got the savvy that he can make it work at anywhere you know, along that first round, you know, pick and just gonna figure it out or do something. But again, I, this year, I think we've, we, we've seen the reality of our hopium a bit and I have a little less faith than I did in both of them prior to this. Like, I think maybe DeBolt came into some luck and we're seeing how bad the Daniel Jones deal really turned out because we got our worst case scenario with it and he kind of fumbled that and the Saquon deal it like, you know, we got, we got to make up for that. Now we got to figure out a way around that. And so we might've been writing a little too high on what these guys could do. And uh... it's, it's just, I feel like we do this every year. Like there were a lot of people and, and mind you, this worked out in 2020. I want to point out it actually worked out for us in 2020, but the amount of people that were so fucking happy when the giants beat the commanders in 2019, that overtime game, they were so fucking happy that they won that game. And then we lost that on chase young. Now we got Andrew Thomas out of the deal. So great. It worked out. But like, I'd also argue that we missed out on Justin Herbert in that year. So like, I think there's like a, there's a give and take to this. I, I think when you look at it, if Brian Dable can do that with Tommy DeVito, like clearly Daniel Jones was the problem, right? Because Tyrod Taylor's looked serviceable. Tommy DeVito looks serviceable. An undrafted free agent, look rookie, looked better than Daniel Jones did. I think at this point, Daniel Jones had two passing touchdowns in six fucking games. I think at this point, we have to look at it and say, like, they really fucked up by giving him that money. They should have just franchised him and called the fucking day. Let's reset the clock, right? Like, let's get somebody in here, whether it be Jaden Daniels, Drake May, or fucking I don't give I don't give a shit. If 
I trust the organization knows what they're doing. So if they pick Drake May or they pick Jaden Daniels or they pick Caleb Williams out of the, I don't care. Go for it. But like, I feel like we're going to be the Colts of the last few years, you know, where they like, they're going to build a really nice roster, but then you have Matt Ryan at quarterback. And like, this is not how you fucking win. Like you need to be able to finally get your guy. And like everyone was fucking celebrating the Tommy DeVito wins. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'll go one in fucking 16. If it means that we can get Caleb Williams or we can get Drake may like those games are going to ultimately be meaningless. If it leads to another I, 10 years of mediocrity. I mean, I, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, then we just sit in that endless cycle. Right. And that's the one thing I think that, and that's, and tiring. some fans are, yeah. And then, and then next year with Daniel some Jones, fans just don't care about that. They're just, we'll get, they're we'll all get about Mar- the game action. They don't care about, how the future 100%. really sets itself up. I mean, that's, but, but that's the, that's, that's exactly my point though, is that like, they'll look at like another year of Daniel Jones and then they're like, we want Marvin Harrison jr. And then they get Marv. And then guess what? It's the Giants are down 35 to three and jo- Daniel Jones just missed Marvin Harrison jr. Again, wide open, missed them by 10 yards. Like For what sure. good is having a Ferrari if you can't fucking drive it? I think not to interject on um, the Giants' death spiral right now, but this <laughs> is the exact that, same too. thing that's happening. You're a commander. Right? Yeah, I was going to ask you what you're doing. How's, Sam, your, how's Sam Howell doing? Pick? I mean, yeah, we, have Sam, number, we have the number four doing? pick in the draft. so I see top three now. right now. Technically, You guys are going to beat the Cowboys, though. Technically, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> that like, is going to happen. I'm, I'm listening to this conversation, and – I understand everything that Q is saying and it makes sense to me. Um, I think the problem is though, is fans will always root against the best interest of the team, because if they're rooting for the team to actively tank, then there's no reason for them to go to those games. So they're the, the organization is trying to say that we're not tanking, we're not tanking. But in reality, there's no reason to go to a Panthers game where they're two and eleven or a commandos game where they're four and ten. Like there's no shot of making the playoffs and we play for the playoffs and not for funsies in September. The thing that Washington is doing right now is they benched Sam Howell for Jacoby Brissett because they're making the argument that Jacoby provides them with the best chance to win. And in the same fact, exactly, exactly. What are we winning here? There is nothing good about finishing six and 11 versus four and 13. It doesn't do us any favors. And again, this is, this is Ron Rivera brain. And at the end of the day, like Hugh, you had mentioned it to me earlier. Hang on. I'll let you go in just a second. You had mentioned it to me earlier, like, Commandos might be interested in in Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a misguided report because anybody in the top five should be interested in him. But you have to be there to be able to say we are going from interested to buying. And if you self-select yourself out of that conversation, then that's just as bad as tanking. And that's that's worse than you actively choosing not to participate in the season and tanking. Because now you're fucking over the future of your team and there's going to be quarterbacks that come in every year, right? We're going to get a quarterback that gets drafted in the top 10 every year minus like one. But at the end of the day, this is the guy who everyone has said is really, really good. We have two Heisman Trophy winners in this draft and the third guy is also pretty fucking good too. 
and to self-select your and to say like, oh, we're going to try and win. And if we win, we're going to have to pick somebody else. You're dumb. You're dumb. They should have fired Ron Rivera like four weeks ago. I, I, I will say this. I don't think you can just at, like go out there and just say, yeah, no, we're just going to go fucking tank and we're planning on tanking and we're just doing that. And nobody's going to come out to the media and say that, especially for coaches that all they care about is winning. There is a good part of my brain that says they're sending in Jacoby Brissett so that they can protect an investment in Sam Howell. That is a thought that I'm having. Potentially, yeah. I I hope that is the case because I don't want them to draft a quarterback. They need a tackle. They need offensive linemen. They don't need a quarterback because they're not the in a back this year or second most. Uh, he's been sacked like at an astronomical level. Um, and these are two guys. There are two guys that were brought in on their offensive line that were free agents. Andrew Wiley being one of them, who's making eight million dollars this year to just stand there. Um, I think that there's potential in Sam Howell, but you need to draft an offensive line and get the talent around this guy. And if he ends up not being the one, you're not going to be any good anyway, and you're going to be able to find somebody. Yeah, that, that team definitely does need some offensive linemen first and foremost. You have 60 sacks on Sam Howell this year. Whoa, whoa. I didn't do any of these, by the way. This is not me. I, I do not blame me for this. I was not there for any of these games. I was not protecting him. I was not chasing him. This is somebody else's fault. Not you me. were watching him and not yelling at your screen. Look out. And that's yeah. I wasn't messaging matter. him on Slack while he was in the huddle. Like, yo, man, duck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Sam Howell, but he he's had some rough weeks. And but that's like that's the nature of being a rookie quarterback, though, which is what's so funny about this is that but Sam Howell over the last uh, let's see, f- two, three, four, five weeks has two touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and he's got eight interceptions. Yeah, but also look at the defense, too. Look at the game plans that they've had to play in, where that Bears game is a great example of the what, how he is set up. Like, they're down 20 to nothing in the first half. Like, how does anybody recover from that? When you have basically, like, a turnstile on defense and anybody can run over them. It's very hard for a rookie quarterback to go in and there do anything. And I mean, this is something that Washington also has to learn how to do. And that's develop a quarterback. They didn't throw Trevor Lawrence away after the first season. They let him grow and develop and put a guy, a head coach around him who can support him. Hmm. There's a number of quarterbacks that took a year to really grow and develop drew B- breeze being one of them. He took a couple years. He took a few years. Yeah. Cause that team was bad. And really? they drafted so his last year in, in San they Diego. drafted Philip rivers. Yeah. yeah. San Diego last year in San Diego is probably his best year. Then he has the shoulder injury mm-hmm. and then he goes to new Orleans and he was obviously great. Um, I also want to point out though, the last five games, they played the giants, which the commanders never historically play well against the giants. Um, and the Giants defense had been obviously been playing pretty well over the last few weeks. Uh, Dallas, Miami, Rams, Jets, all really, really tough matchups. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that is the case. Gatto, what you said, like maybe they're just benching him so they don't like shatter his psyche like they did with or his leg. 
Or right? if he's getting sacked that much, like you do not want, because then you actually do have to go out and think about drafting a quarterback. If that was not your intention. Now I, that becomes a thought you might need to have. <laughs> honestly, though, I feel like if you are benching him for, to protect him, you got to say that you got to say like, listen, we, you know, it's, there's two games left. Uh, we have to fix this offensive line. I don't want, you know, Jacoby's here to to take these hits. Like that's what Jacoby's job is as the backup quarterback. Yeah. Right? Like, well, that's where I will agree that that's where Ron Rivera brain goes, though. Like, yeah. So the, well, this this is right way. this is uh this, well this is Ron Rivera's quote by the way. So he did say this today about Sam Howell when they asked him. Still believes he can be a quality quarterback. Quote: This is part of the growth. Rivera said. We are all culpable in this situation, too. This is not an indictment on Sam or how my feelings towards Sam have changed. I really do think this guy can be a really good quarterback in this league. I really do. I also think sometimes when things get tough and get hard, this has been a long year for everybody. This is a chance for him to take a breath. So it does seem kind of like he is saying that they are just letting him, like, trying to give him a break at this point. Um, But I I don't know, man, because, like, the – the the narratives like with Terry McLaurin have been there that he can't find his top guys and that he's like, you know, which I mean, again, because he's getting sacked. He's, he has no line. Yeah, but Sam Howell, but Sam, but the minute Sam Howell got benched, Jacoby Brissett came in and Terry McLaurin went fucking bananas. So it's it, it is a question of like, can he find the number one receiver on this team? And listen. If you're winning games, no one gives a shit, right? Like, at the end of the day, Terry McCorn, like, suck it up, man. You guys are winning. But you're not winning. And, like, you're not playing all that well. And it's like, you feel like Terry would give you an edge over a lot of these guys. And, like, he's been invisible all year. Like, if you draft Terry McCorn in fantasy, me, uh, you're not happy about it. But, like, it just seems like there's something wrong, you know, with, like, him not being able to get the top-tier guys. Yeah, I I think there's more that's wrong with this offense than I mean to be fair though, McLaurin's numbers are not terribly far off what they normally are. He is perpetually around like 1100 yards and he'll probably mm. actually have a better year than he did last year. Probably. Uh, so I understand all of that. I think the problem is though is a couple of things. One, there is no second option on this team right now. And ultimately, if there's no second or third option for this team, McLaurin's going to be double and triple covered the whole time. And that's pretty obvious how it's been going down because Jahan Dotson has taken a serious fallback. He went from, I mean, he's on pace to do kind of the same thing he did last year, except he's got more drops. Um, And Curtis Samuel, he was hurt for a bunch of time. Diami Brown is a guy who Sam Howell knew at North Carolina and played with. So there's a little bit of a relationship there. But Logan Thomas is your tight end. That's unserious. Um, I mean, there's outside of Brian Robinson, there's really nobody else who I would put any faith and confidence in. And I think this is what happens when you go five years in a row of drafting like defensive talent outside of Jahan Dotson, who like has been good, but he has not been productive. Like they have so many first rounders on that defensive line. 
and in linebacker. The linebacker one has not been good in Jamin Davis. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is, this is just a poorly ran and poorly developed team. And I think Eric Bieniemy deserves some blame for it as well, because, you know, you knew the formula to start the year, like Sam Howell's taking a shit ton of sacks, throw the ball faster, run the ball more, control Mm. the clock. And they never really did that. They just like, nah, we're going to throw the ball 45 times a game. Like I I know that there's like data that says that you don't need to run the ball that much, but it does help. It doesn't hurt. Next year, the data will say something different. I guarantee it. Take that for data. Stick it up your data. I just can't wait till January 8th when all of these fucking people get fired and we can finally start over. Famous last words, my friend. I'm just saying. Famous last words. Just, I would wait for it. What up, Nate? Um, I would say just wait for it to actually happen before you start. Because it might be one of those years where they go like, hey, we really we really Your... believe in Ron's vision. He sold us a really good vision. Uh, if they we don't change, cut him, if, we don't if they want... change nothing about this team, then it's over. Like we want, we want some continuity, man. We want continuity. And we feel like Ron did a nice job towards the end of the year. And he he like Sam trusts him. We we trust Sam. So like, you know. Just, just saying, man. Like, <laughs> who's who's the one? It seems like a lot of like displaced Daniel Jones aggression. And I, I'm not hey, man. Sure. Just as as a person who's lived through this, with Dave Gettleman getting so many fucking chances that like, you know, he deserved. Oh my god! Times like I'm just saying that like, it just doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities that it could be one of those things, you know. The Giants have two Super Bowls in my lifetime. We are not the same fucking people. All right. Like <laughs> you have a borderline uh, Hall of Fame quarterback who played for the team for like eleven years. 14. We are not Put we are not the name. same fan base. I, I I just look forward to when they announce that Jason Garrett will be taking over as head coach for the Commanders. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna stick my head in how fucking funny would that be? Like, you know, like I I just imagine um, with uh, Josh Harris sitting in his office watching Sunday Night Football, like, who's that guy? Like, he seems real smart. Garrett, like, (laughs) yeah, who is he? He seems like he knows what he's talking about. He's got a he's got a nice stare. He stares at the screen really creepy. Like, I like that. (laughs) Before we before we wrap here, did you all? I want to switch gears because now we're talking about head coaches and shit. But like. Did you all see that report that Ben Johnson is going to be asking for like 15 million a year? Yes. Do you believe that? Um, yes. I don't know if I believe necessarily like, I mean, it depends on what you mean by believe. Like I believe, he, I believe that's what he wants. I don't you believe think it's what he give it to him. No, no. Um, unless they win the Super Bowl. If the, if the Lions win the Super Bowl and like the run game just runs over everybody uh, during the playoffs, um, maybe there'll be somebody out there that will give them that, but uh, I, it doesn't. Does, it doesn't really add up. Does anyone know? here actually see the Lions make it into the Super Bowl? No, I don't. I don't see that in the future. I, I, I mean, I mean, they have a better chance than really like a lot of people because um, the reality is that they they they're kind of built well for the for the playoffs. Like they run the ball well. 
Um, they have Gibbs and Montgomery, who just a really devastating one-two punch. And then having a defense that can stop the run, that's kind of what you want to do in the playoffs. But no, I don't I don't think so. I, it just doesn't seem like they may be in a year or two, but like I, I just doesn't feel like it's them this year. I think they need like one more playmaker on both sides of the ball. I think they need another receiver on the other side of – They just need Jameson Williams to finally be a dude. Yeah. Because with Laporta and St. Brown, they have a lot of talent there. The offensive line's top five. I mean, again, they could. They could easily win the Super Bowl. But I just – they need – if Jameson Williams can be that guy who takes the top off the of defense, like I think they could easily become uh, that type of team. But I'm not convinced yet. Yeah. I, th- I think they ultimately lose to the Rams. <laughs> And the Rams are kind of my dark horse right now. They are phenomenal. Stafford going into Detroit and beating the Lions would be oh the poetry. And everybody's talking about how ironic it's going to be, but It'd be it's going to be. It's going to be. You know what? I I, I want to say, man, Matt Stafford, the fucking guy, man, does not get the respect that he deserves. He really does not get the respect that he deserves. Like, you look at the best years that receivers have ever had. Calvin Johnson. Who was the quarterback? Matt Stafford. Last year, what was it, two years ago, Cooper Cup. Who was the quarterback? Matt Stafford. Puka Nakua is going to break the fucking rookie receiving record. Fifth round pick out of BYU. Oh. Uh, no, not yet. He's close. Very, he's going he's gonna to easily break it. I think he's got like 100 and something yards left. It's, he's going to oh. break it. Who's the quarterback? Matt Stafford. Like, King the guy, Yeah, the guy knows how to find receivers. He knows how to – like. There, there are so many guys, like, I felt like last year, everyone was talking about the Raiders last year because they were getting Devontae Adams. And they're like, oh, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr reunited. They played at Fresno together. And I'm like, not going to work. It's not going to work. They, they, Derek Carr is not a guy who can find receivers. And, it, of, of course, it was calamity, like, as expected, right? But, like, Stafford, when you give him a top-tier guy, he fucking gets him. So, he doesn't waste talent. Let's put it that way. No, no. And, like... The Rams, man, again, like getting Kyron Williams on day three, getting Puka on day three, the, the front office, like they're they they're risky. They they trade away a lot of picks for for guys. But like when you draft that well, it's like it just doesn't fucking matter, I guess. Their focus was all late picks, though. You know, that's the <laughs> But that's that's, the, that's, what that's where they were planning on doing all their work from, you know. That's what's so impressive about right. them. Is like I always look at it and I'm like, that's stupid. Why would you trade away all those picks for those guys? And it's because they trust their fucking front office. They trust their 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 scouting. That they know that they can supplement guys in, in on day three and they'll end up being good players. When's the last time the Rams have like really missed on a player? It's very rare. Uh who did they um what was that running back before this? Cam Akers. Wait, did they did they draft him? He wasn't really a miss, though. He he had one good year, and I think he got hurt. He tore his ace Achilles. Cam, Cam well, yeah, well, Cam Cam Akers was. Oh no, he was was he drafted? He was a first round pick, or a second round pick. He was a second round pick, um, and he was drafted by the Rams. But also, Cam Akers was like a five star recruit and all that. He just had injuries. Like he 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 was one of those guys. Um, he reminds me a lot of Sony Michelle that like his game was more power based and then like they suffered an injury and they just were never the same again. Like Sony mm-hmm. Michelle was great. And then he just like 
but they were never the fastest guys in the world. And then like the injuries kind of zapped whatever athleticism they already had. So like it just, you know, just wasn't good. But I'd argue Cam Akers had had potential to be great, you know, just and like, you know, what was it last year? Um, the play around the playoffs, he actually played, I think he played pretty well. So, yeah, but again, like they they find guys that ultimately, you know, supplement their mistakes. If you can find another guy and Kyron Williams, I remember him coming out of Notre Dame. I liked him a lot. A little undersized made me worried. Um, and I still have worries long term about him staying healthy, but dude's electric. Yeah, I got to be honest. I'm I'm looking at, you know, like the Rams draft history and just it's fucking bangers the whole way, man. They 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 know what they're doing, man. They really do. One of the better, I mean, having, you know, McVay as a head coach and then having that front office, it's 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 pretty amazing. Yeah, some of these pieces are just money. All the way back to like 2015. <laughs> like, no, 2014. Cool. I mean, we're going back Oh, Alec Ogletree, I mean, Tavon Austin. Like, these guys were all great. Puka Nakua was pick number 177. Yeah. He's at 96 catches, 1,327 receiving yards. They had a ton of picks this year, too. They did, yeah. Yeah. They had a bunch. They had four uh, fifth-round picks and three, six, three, seven, two threes. The thing is, they haven't. They, they haven't had a second round pick. Picked, they haven't picked in the first round since 2016. <laughs> That's unreal. It's so unreal. They actually had a second round pick this year, which was kind of shocking. I didn't expect just, them to have a second round pick. Just squad the whole they way. Didn't, they didn't pick. They didn't pick until the third round. Uh, the year before that, they second. They did have a second round pick. It was Tutu Atwell. Um, it's just, it's just funny. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Good for them. Good for them. All, All right, right, boys. What do you say? Shall yeah. we do the the dance? Yep. Yeah. All right. Why don't you get us get us started here? I'm gonna do a hero of the week, and um, I don't know this guy's name, so you'll have to excuse me. Unnamed but, hero of the week. <laughs> Uh, there was a there was a guy. I don't know if I got. Oh, I showed you this. I don't know if Tommy saw this. There is a dude who had a fourteen leg anytime touchdown parlay on DraftKings for four hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars off a five dollar bet, and the guy fucking cashed it. But like, I I I don't know how I like. Gato and I were discussing what we would have done in that scenario because it came down to Christian McCaffrey, which I mean, like for touchdowns is almost an automatic, but I'm imagining he had a cash out option that probably would have netted him a couple of what, 300 grand, 350 grand, something like that. Somewhere in that vicinity. And like, again, it, I, yeah, I would have, I would have hedged. I would have probably cashed out and then placed a separate bet on Christian McCaffrey and like, you know, taking the guaranteed profit. The guy fucking hit man. And like, he, there's a lot of balls because Christian McCaffrey could have fucking stubbed his toe and been out for the game. You know, it's yeah. like, it, it, it like, but five, it was the third largest bit, uh, win in DraftKings history. I mean, giving like, hopium to the rest of us. DJ. Yeah, five dollars. He turned five dollars into half a million in one weekend on Christmas of all days. It's a lot of like, ticket. 
it, it really is a lotto ticket, but like to like I looked through um his 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 ticket and I was like, okay, I'm like, these are all pretty standard guys. But the one thing that did step out on me was Tom, he actually had Chris Rodriguez on there to score a touchdown. Sickos ballsy, committee, baby. Ballsy ass move, and it actually paid off. So uh yeah, man, like it's it's pretty impressive, honestly, to pull that off. Um, I hope he realizes that that's never gonna happen again for him. And that he should just quit after that, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> Jeez, man, it was actually it was cool, man, because there was a few posts online like following that, like as he got closer, and then when he finally won and stuff, and like it's like he's he's gonna like you know help his family and do all these other things, and doesn't doesn't seem like he's a guy who's like going to just go blow it all on like you know in Vegas on fucking blow. So <sighs> man, it's but like. That is, I saw the video he posted on Instagram of the moment that uh, McCaffrey scored and he was celebrating with his buddies in a Santa outfit, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's honestly like pretty fucking nuts, man, because like those are the type of bets that like I'll place every week and like I just automatically assume that they're not going to hit. Um, so 14 pick, it was Najee Harris, Gabe Davis, Jameer Gibbs, DK Metcalf, Jerome Ford. Chris Rodriguez Jr., Jonathan Taylor, Calvin Ridley, James Conner, Mostert, Javante Williams, Pacheco, Swift, and McCaffrey. Like again, the only person that sticks out to it's, me there is Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, it's they they actually they're they're people you would bet your money on for yeah, the most part. Yeah. For sure. So un- unbelievable. Uh King shit right there. Yeah, it gives me hope. The wrong type of hope, but it gives yeah, me hope. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gato, you want to go? Yeah. So uh, I'll go the traditional route of asshole of the week. And uh, I'm going to have to say mine is uh, Jair uh, Alexander. J- Jair? J- I always, Jair. I always say his name wrong. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Philly will rake me over the coals when he hears it later for that. Shout out to Philly. <laughs> but uh, um, the whole thing is just like excessively childish. Um, just so anyone who's not aware of what happened was, uh, without, uh, Matt LaFleur knowing that LaFleur, <laughs> God, what am I drunk? Um, <laughs> without, without his knowledge, um, Alexander went out there as a captain for the coin toss called the coin toss. And he then proceeded to uh ask for the packers to go on defense um definitely not what you do and luckily the refs realized the situation there and convinced him to say the words defer um it was kind of comedic kind of funny but it's now gotten him um I, I, is it suspension? I don't know. He, I guess he is suspended for a game. Team suspended. It's not NFL yeah. suspended. It's team suspended. Um, per you know, uh, Lafleur and and I forget who the GM is over there. And uh, when you know people were asking him about it, like he totally was just like laughing and joking and had had no sense of what this you know why this was a problem. And he is like the leadership on that team. And that's a very scary route considering, like, yeah, he's not that old. What is he, 26? 
Yeah, he's he's in his like mid twenties, yeah. But like, you know, he's supposed to be the veteran presence on that team. And if that team is to grow and there's still a lot of growing pains they have to work out, um I don't know if he's the, the dude to be the leadership there. And uh it just felt really dumb considering, you know, the whole situation could have been easily avoided had he just had a better head about it. I'm not even sure what his reasoning was other than he's like, I'm from Charlotte, so I feel like yeah. I had to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> like did okay. You, did you, you weren't a captain, and like, but it is pretty funny, though. I, honestly, I thought it was pretty funny. Oh, it's hysterical, but it's yeah. also super immature. Like, oh, it's something sure. like something who somebody who doesn't get paid millions of dollars to play a sport would do. Yeah. And that's that's the difference, right? You know what I mean? Like, for sure. So, I will uh, say it has not been a good week for uh, Green Bay defensive backs um, with um, Simone Biles' husband also, who's Jonathan Owens, who's not a starter for the team, by the way. I'm the prize. Yeah, I'm the prize. This is oh, the move is of this? Um, So I guess this is another thing. He probably qualifies as an asshole of the week, but I got somebody else. Um Simone Biles and her husband, Jonathan Owens, run a podcast. And the way that Owens described it, he didn't know who Simone Biles was. He didn't follow gymnastics. Um, but he said that he was the catch and that like he is the the best one in that relationship. Keeping in mind, she is a multiple gold medal winning gymnast for the United States has probably made a shit ton of money in endorsements, far more than what he'll ever make. Um, but the just the way that he went about it just looked stupid. And I'm going to say this. Jerry Alexander might be a stupid person. Um, he might be one of those guys who are like, ooh, don't leave him around any sharp objects. Because, like, <laughs> first off, you're not a captain. You shouldn't be out there. Um, and you don't even know how the fucking kickoff works properly. And I saw that interview <laughs> where they were interviewing and he was giggling. A la- like that's the person who laughs when they know they're going to be fired. Yeah. Mm. Like I'm not owned. I'm not owned. I don't mean yeah. to, to co-opt your asshole of the week, but no, but that, that was actually what inspired it was that interview. So I'm glad you brought that up because he's sitting there with, you know, shades on in the locker room, just like laughing and joking about it in such a childish manner that it just it felt obscenely like gr- like just grotesquely wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean I, I, you not, know, it's, it's one of those it's one of those things to, for me. If uh, it's 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 just silly. It really is just silly, but it's kind of funny though. Honestly, like I think people are making. I think like this. I think the Packers made a little bit too much of a big deal of it, but like, I mean, he he wanted. He's from Charlotte. He wanted to be there. I don't know. He wanted to. He wanted to show out in front of his home home crowd. But like, yeah, it's it's stupid. But it, it was pretty funny though. You have to admit it's funny. I mean, he nearly blew the game for his team before the game even started. So ah. that's the. If if it was the Giants, I think you would be singing a different tune, Hugh. Uh, I don't know. In a, in a year that that it mattered. <laughs> I mean, you're going against the Panthers. If a coin toss is like, let me put it this way: if a coin toss is making you lose against the worst team in the league, then you're not like you're not a serious team to begin with. So fair, I guess. Also, they would get the ball twice, so that's not good but whatever hey 
who who said you know football games come down to a single score? True, it's <laughs> over for them. It's yeah. over. So Tom, yeah. So my your asshole official week, asshole of the week. I um I had a couple of them, and I think like Aaron Rodgers has just like secured his like perpetual perma asshole of the week status, but. Um, Nikki Haley is my asshole of the week for her comments that she made in New Hampshire. Um, happened, I think, either the day before or yesterday, oh where she was asked at a town hall, town hall, what was the the reasons behind the Civil War? Government, and, how it's yeah, the, the fucking government, and it's, it's like just some government for some things. She she stated that like it started because it was like how governments were being run or how government was being run. And then she tried to flip it back on the person that asked the question. And the, the questioner was like, I'm not running for president. I asked you the question. And, right. she, and she went into some longer diatribe that didn't make any sense. And finally the person said in 2023, I cannot believe that you cannot say that it was because of slavery. And then she said, what do you want me to say about slavery? Next question. And I find it really funny coming from Nikki Haley, former governor of the state of South Carolina, the last place to fly the Confederate flag or the last place to fly a Confederate States of America inspired flag over the American flag. Um, And... Also, South Carolina being the first state to secede from the Union in 1860 is all of a bad look for her. Um, and if it's funny because the reason I'm going to go into a little thing here, she can't answer this question. And everyone says states rights, but very few people ask the follow up question. States rights to what? Right. And it's to slavery. And. I'm reading a book right now called the the things that my teachers lied to me about the lies that my teacher told me. And one of them is the start of the civil war and the, the States in the South were actually very pro federal government because there was a rule on the books or a law on the books that called the fugitive slave act, where if there was a slave that escaped to the North sheriffs would have to, find these individuals and bring them back to the South. There are a number of states that said, we are not going to pay our sheriffs money to have to go and look for fugitive slaves. And in the long document that the state of South Carolina wrote and sent to Washington, D.C. to say we're seceding from the union, it makes it very clear there are several states that do not comply with this federal law to return fugitive slaves. And I find it very odd that people say that the Civil War was over states' rights when in reality the states that held slaves wanted a very, very big government approach to returning their quote-unquote property to them. So that's a long-winded thing of saying that Nikki Haley is my asshole of the week. She's a stupid fucking person as well as – the idea that she would be the moderate replacement to President Trump, she just doesn't get it. She needs to be able to say the she needs to be able to say the rationale if she wants anybody in the North to vote for her. You know what's really funny, Tom? Is no, that, what is funny? You tell me. People people have like this has been a very big 
part of like con- of conservative uh, lore, I guess you can say, is that trying to redo what the Civil War was about. And you're 100 percent right. Have people never fucking read the Cornerstone speech? Have no. has no one fucking read the Cornerstone speech? Because the, I have. the fucking vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens, this is what he says. Our new government's foundations are laid. Its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery, subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. This, our new government, is the first in the history of the world based upon the great physical, physical, uh, philosophical and moral truth. That is the cornerstone speech of why they started the Confederacy. That is the vice. And like, I don't want to hear it's like, oh, some fucking author. No, He's the vice president. He was Jefferson Davis's vice president. So how are you going to tell me that it wasn't about slavery? It clearly was about slavery. To protect the institution of slavery. That's the whole <laughs> that's that's the whole show here, folks. I wish somebody would just fucking say that to somebody like Nikki Haley and be like, have you like have are have you never read the cornerstone speech? Or are you just being willfully ignorant? The funny thing is, too, is that she can you do both. She then said that the person that asked the question was a democratic plant. They're woke. <laughs> We're just woke. It's so good. You're just fucking uh, woke. So yeah, she's stupid. Asshole of the week. Let's go to read, read the goddamn cornerstone speech. If you've never read it, please read it because it tells you everything you need to know about the civil war. You don't need to know anything other than that of like what the, like not the intentions of the Confederacy and what they actually wanted. Yep. Fucking damn shit. Picks. Got it. You want to go? Sure. I watched a movie today. It's called Talk to Me. I, uh, I was 24 piece. I was oh, mine a couple weeks, like a bunch of a bunch of weeks ago when I saw it in theaters. It was uh, it's fucking great. Oh, you saw it in theaters? Oh, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a creepy movie. It's good. It's original. Um, it is definitely. A unique brand. Uh, it's also Australian, which I feel like that's not the place that I've seen most of my horror movies coming from. Made so, by YouTubers, by the way. Made by YouTubers. Yeah. And you know, I, I think there's there's a couple themes in the in in it, and you know, the way that society has kind of become numb to you know horrific things, and you know they they only care about like you know things going viral or becoming you know more more about the idea of content over substance. Um, also and, had and, a great drug theme as well. Did it have oh. a drug theme? I didn't even realize it. Well, because that's theme. what it, that's what it really was, right? Like they they're they're using the hand, and it's like a, a euphoric experience for them. It's like oh, kids is it doing drugs? Uh, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. I thought it was like it was the thrill of it all was. And like how crazy the whole thing was. I guess it, it, I didn't think of it in terms like that. It had a lot of drug themes in the sense that you get addicted to the the thrill of it, and mm-hmm. that you can like very easily go down a bad path. And like young kids, the young the younger brother who well, ended up getting fucked up. Like like some people can handle it and make it like you know just a fun thing. Some people it spirals and destroys see, their life. And see, that's where I saw it as like the metaphor for social media and like that you know, a huge going viral, yeah, yeah, you know, and internet clout. So yeah, uh, oh, that's pressure. cool. I didn't even think yeah. about it that lot, way. Lot so even better. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was very creative, very smart, and honestly, uh, effectively, like pretty thrilling. Like more than I've seen a lot of movies in the last mm-hmm. year. So like the fact that those guys literally wrote a fucking spec script 
and sold it to A24 for like, you know, and then like we're able to get them to like convince them to let them direct it. And they did a great job. I'm actually excited to see what they do next. So I'll be yeah. them on my radar for they, sure. They threw out the traditional scripts of of common, you know, paranormal fucking horror stories and and they made a, a very unique take on their own. It's so. it was it was great. I love it. Yeah. Good. Moving on. <laughs> Tom, if you've not seen it, I definitely recommend it. I have not but yet, but during the day with the lights on. It. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty scary shit, man. It was uh it was it was good. I liked it. It's cool. I, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go next. Um, I've I, I'm a huge Mike Flanagan guy, and like obviously for anybody who's seen Fall of the House of Usher, and obviously Usher, uh, Usher. <laughs> the Haunting of Hill House, I had never watched Midnight Mass. Did you like uh, it? I loved it. Um, I, I actually finished it pretty quickly. Um, it was one of those, it was one of his shows that I just kind of maybe just fell through the cracks for me. I just never, I never ended up watching it. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it's very like, it's reminds me of almost like uh, Stephen King's, uh, what's that fucking Stephen King uh, movie? I can't remember it, um, but it, it's it's got some really fucking creepy elements to it. It's kind of vampire slash religion, religious element stuff to it. Uh, so we've never seen that. I mean, again, Mike Flanagan just fucking undefeated. Like, oh, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Yeah. OK, I thought you said Midnight House. And then I was thinking of that Midnight Club. And I was like, that was not. good. Oh, no, I didn't. I, that, that was the one kind of miss for me. I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I remember watching the first few episodes and I was like, I don't really see the appeal of this so yeah no my mass um was very very cool uh it's only seven episodes uh went really quick for me and it's 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 pretty fucking creepy i i appreciate that that one like all mike flanagan shows really do not follow like what you're expecting to happen from a perspective of like character development and that's a it's a lot of his shows, and I think this is a very huge credit to him, is how do you take the horror genre, but also build in an emotional element where you feel very, very connected to all of those characters. And there's very few you just like, no, this person is stupid. This is a dumb person. I don't want to like, this is not real. You, you generally like good or evil, you root for all the characters and they're just so well developed and there's like there's as particularly in midnight mass where they're talking about like what happens when you die that's a very very profound like scene and yeah. very very emotional i love that part yeah that was fantastic i think again like there are there are moments in each episode of each project that he works on that really really like pulls at your heartstrings and that was one of them well the, the, like going back to hill house because that was kind of my first exposure i mean dr sleep was my first exposure with him um but like going back to like hill house like the the like the actual like dealing with grief and like mm-hmm. like how it can consume you is like it's a really like it's it's a, I, I i find his ability to take um both visceral horror like guy coming at you with a knife and also emotional horror and combines it in a way that is just so creative and like it's not innovative really like it's very simple and straightforward but yet he just 
fucking like like LeBron James, you know, on that step back, you know, just like consistent every single time. So um give a lot of credit to him. I honestly like if he ever anything he ever does. And also I, I went back not that long ago and I watched um Ouija Origin of uh, Evil, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um Ouija for anybody who doesn't know Ouija was a horror movie that came out a bunch of years ago. It was schlocky garbage. It was like terrible. It's like a standard PG-13 horror movie with a bunch of kids and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they got Mike Flanagan to do a, a like a prequel sequel and it fucking rules. And it's like it's so weird that the like if you watch both of them you would be like how are these in the same fucking series? Like it doesn't make any sense. But yet it's fucking great. So, mm-hmm. um if you've never seen Ouija, it's on Netflix. I think like a lot of his stuff is on Netflix. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a master. He's he's awesome. Gotta, what were you gonna say? We interrupted you like a zillion times. No, I mean just that he finds like um he's able to make characters truly human, where I think a lot of mm-hmm. scripts fail at like really capturing like a person being a person. And his character development, like you said, was it's spot on. It's and uh he's able to find like that blind spot in somebody's, you know, being. And that's where the true horror lies, right? And he's kind of phenomenal at doing that. It's just, again, probably just jumping on the same thing that you guys were saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but said in your way. Um, <laughs> not, not a better way. <laughs> um, I have so many picks of the week here. First and foremost, the Holiday Bowl, the Pop-Tart Bowl. I don't know if you guys have been looking on off. Twitter with the pop tart at this game between uh, North Carolina state and Kansas state. The shit is fucking hysterical. Like there are people playing ring around the Rosie with this person in a pop tart costume. And the pop tart is feeding people pop tarts. This is fan. <laughs> this, is, this is why we tune into television here. Um, oh, the, and- the, the, the steaming toaster thing. Yeah. The pop tart bowl. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm ready for my the Duke's Mayo Bowl again. That happened yesterday. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, well, if it if it makes you feel any better, um, who was it? Um, the South, the West Virginia coach. They won that game and they dumped a Gatorade um, <laughs> water cooler of mayonnaise on him. I can't believe I missed Ugh. that. God damn. Lincoln Riley had a um, a water cooler filled with eggnog dumped on him last <sighs> night. Did anybody dip an Oreo into Duke's Mayo again? I don't think so, but they had a they had a um they had a mayonnaise eating competition before oh, that game. God. You got to be a it, sick individual. That's a very common eating uh challenge. That's good eating yeah. right there. It's gross. To be oh. fair, to to be transparent with you all, I would have gone to the Duke's Mayo Bowl had I not been driving home from New York yesterday, but mm. I did get a chance to go to the famous toastery bowl last Monday between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. And oh boy was it a banger. <laughs> oh oh wow that game. Yeah. We were at that game. It was 28 to nothing at the half wow. and we left. <laughs> um so, some but, dude may, some dude who bet fucking western kentucky that wide receiver for western kentucky is fantastic he's, he's and beast. the so guy was like number seven or something he was yeah like... he made two monster catches and one of them was in the end zone that we were at um 
but the guy who was the quarterback for Western Kentucky was in the transfer portal mm. and he ends up winning that game. That's crazy. But those he's, are he's not gonna my, have his pick now. Yeah, those are not my picks of the week. My pick is, and I, it's kind of like a bizarro pick here. I, like I need someone to experience the same level of frustration and annoyance that I did. So mm. I'm going to need everyone to go out and watch Rebel Moon. Oh, and, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not I, doing, I pass I'm on Zack Snyder Zach, stuff. Yeah, I'm not doing Zack Snyder. I'm sorry. That movie yeah. is like a somebody who desperately wants to do a Star Wars movie, but Disney was like, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> it is such like a bad knockoff of Star Wars, and it just is – it was bad. It was like two and a half hours of just nothing happening. And everything happened in the last like 10 minutes of the movie and none of it made any sense. But wait, there's a whole nother coming out in April. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck did he, I don't know, man. I I watched it. None of the characters are likable. The writing is absolutely ass. And what does Zack Snyder, what does Zack Snyder have on like these heads of Hollywood that he's able to produce these garbage movies. Like what? I don't know, man, but it was, it was so stupid and I needed to cleanse my palate on Christmas Eve with Klaus. And that is actually my pick of the week. That's by far my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Um, If you get a chance, it's on Netflix. Klaus, it's got like a 97% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. It is an absolute banger. What's it about? It's like the origin story of Santa Claus. So um, who is in it? I can give you some. It's a animated film. And there's actually some pretty big names associated with this. Um, Jason Schwartzman is in it. J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, Joanne Cusack. Norm MacDonald is in it. It's one of his last movies. Um, let's see. Critical Reception. 95% approval. Won a bunch of awards. It's on Netflix. You should check it out. It's a fantastic <laughs> film. Still plenty of time. Tom, uh, Joe Flacco. Already. Bangers. It's not Jover, baby. David, David, Njoku, David Njoku already has 8.4 at this point. Two catches Holy for 64 fuck. yards. Yeah. Should have bet his over. I, I put two DDs down for him today, so let's see if that rolls. It was thirteen hundred. I was like, "That's fucking good." I, I believe they refer to this risky. as um, God's plan. God's plan. God's plan. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's uh, Jerome Ford just scored a uh, receiving touchdown. So, oh damn, Jerome Ford first touchdown always a banger. Literally just bet him wrong. to score the first touchdown. And you're good. I got that one wrong. Damn it. All right, book guys, we done? We good? Pistons are up 54-41. Let's go, Pistons. Go piss. Wow. It's happening, baby. It's going to be a weird day. It's happening. All right, folks. Well, that will do it for us for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate your time. This will be the last show of the year. Um, If you liked what you've heard throughout this entire year of shithousery, 
do us a favor and tell your friends and tell your loser parents to follow the show if they want this good sports content to keep hitting once a week. Let us know what you want us to talk about next week. We'll probably be getting into uh, some pretty heavy fantasy football stuff or some actual playoff implication stuff. But outside of that, deuces, folks. If you like and subscribe to this, we will get Tom in a Pop-Tart costume and we will have him light cigarettes for you all night long. That is a fact. 100%. (laughs) Okay, let's get me a rhythm! Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow! (laughs)